This episode was recorded in 2022. Welcome to the Spring Back Guide podcast, formerly known as the New Leaf podcast, where I share the stories of a bunch of amazing women whose professional lives and identities have all been transformed for the better by becoming a mum. My name is Letty, and I'm the founding coach of the Spring Back Guide, created to get you back to work happy after your baby. This podcast is made for you. Ready to dive in? Okay, let's go. Welcome, Claire Bourne. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you today. Okay, so I will just describe how we know each other. And again, it's the wonderful world of the Instagram (laughs) algorithm. We just function in a lot of the same spaces, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So what I ask all my guests is, where are you in the world right now? And what can you see in front of you? I'm in London, so I live in northwest London. I'm born and bred Londoner, so I'm very passionate about it. And right now, I can literally just see out my window, I'm on a residential street. So nothing exciting, unfortunately. That's as exciting (laughs) as it gets in London. Born and bred London as well. I'm always very impressed with these people because I'm from Birmingham, but I lived in London for about eight years. And it just got too much for me eventually. So tell me about your family unit. Who is in it? Yeah, so uh, we're a family of four. So me and my husband and we've got two kids, we've got a little girl and a little boy, five and two. We also live very close to our parents, so they're very much in and out of our lives. Oh, fantastic. Great that you've got grandparents around. Is that both sets? Yeah, I know. We're really, it's really unusual and wow. they do help us with childcare. We view it as very much like both ends of the spectrum. Like they obviously help us a lot now with the kids, but we're really aware that as they age, they're also going to need support. Like even both of my grandmothers were actually alive until the last couple of years and lived very close to us as well. Mm. And so we were able to help with their hospital appointments and I could support my parents looking after them when my parents were away and we're aware that we will obviously hopefully repay them I don't know if you ever repay your parents like ever I don't think you do I, <laughs> I think, think you just pass it on <laughs> yeah exactly but hopefully we'll be able to support them in their older years if they're here for them you know and in, in the same way they very much support us now I often think that I just think how can I ever pay you back yeah. like how financially never no, financially, financially never. Like, I'd be, mainly financially I just think this is just yeah. blowing my mind I just don't know how yeah. to pay back so but equally yeah. like now we're parents right like for my kids you know you never want it back you adore them no. so much you would do anything for them yeah and you'd so sacrifice true. anything for them so I can totally understand that mentality now how old are your little ones? So my daughter's five, so she started school this year, and then wow. my son is two and a bit. They're both January babies, actually, so almost like three years apart. How are the twos going second time around? I don't know. I think with each stage of parenting, I think I just have such a negative view of it in many ways. Like, I think everyone just puts the fear of God in you. Yeah. But each stage, I was oh my gosh, I'm not going to cope with the twos. And I've never found it that bad. Like, of course, they have emotional regulation issues. They're two-year-olds, you know. Yes, there are tantrums, but I think what I've learned through most of parenting is it's actually how I regulate myself in those moments is the most important and how I'm looking after myself so I can deal with those moments. So yes. it's not on the child, it's actually on me. And most of the times things don't necessarily go so well. It's because I'm stretched too in too many directions or, or exactly. too tired yeah, or haven't air or trying to 
homework and but equally you know we do have support and I work part-time my husband works part-time so I think we share the load quite evenly I think a big thing that's really me and my parenting of the toddler has been sign language so I did baby sign with both of mine Mm -hmm. and I found that because they could sign the stress of not being able to communicate with me was removed five years down the line it's something I recommend to all my mum friends and I would do it over and over again it has absolutely transformed my experience personally of motherhood Wow, that's like quite a testimonial because I do know a couple of people who did baby sign language. They don't just pick it up overnight. Something you consistently do. And I think it's funny, a second time around was easier because then the older one was really into it as well. But yeah, for us as a family, it's really worked. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So tell me what you did pre-babies. I've been a physiotherapist now for over a decade. So 21, yeah, left Birmingham with my little hat and moved back to London. And as a physiotherapist, you just take any job, essentially. I'll give more context to that comment. But you just become a junior physio and you rotate and do lots of different things. You want to get experience in all the areas of physiotherapy before you decide what you want to specialise in. My first ever job happened to be in pelvic health. My initial response was, oh no, because I had no idea about pelvic health. We didn't get taught any of it at university. In our third year, there was an optional module. It was called Women's Health at the time. We've now branched out because we now also treat men and children. So it's become pelvic health. But there was this, yeah, women's health option. And yeah, I mean, I just wasn't interested in it. I didn't even have a clue what that was. There was not a single lecture on the pelvic floor euphemistic though isn't it it's like women's health like women's issues or women's troubles you know when people are just talking about period pains oh she's having women's issues issues. totally totally and look as a 20 year old I just was like it literally meant nothing to me I think literally a couple of people maybe chose that but it wasn't for me at this point in my career I was like I'm off to be a rugby physio I loved rugby I thought I'll just go to London do my juniors and then I'll work out how I'm going to get into sport but anyway I was like so pelvic health okay I'll give it my best shot don't know anything about it but I fell in love with it and I did it for like eight nine months and normally as a junior you only do things for three to six months and then was in the NHS as a team lead for a bit and then went private and then fell pregnant and yeah I guess the rest is history I've stayed in pelvic health ever since and that will be it now really And this is what really fascinates me about your story in particular, Claire, because a lot of the people that I interview did one thing and then they had babies and then that massively changed for whatever reason, because of the hours or because the priorities change or something in their birth ended up changing what they wanted to do, etc, etc, or just something about having children. But with you, you have always done pelvic health. So what I was really interested to find out is how has that got you to where you are now? And how has your practice changed pre and post babies? Great question. So I guess leaving the NHS was a big step and that was just pre-children. It wasn't necessarily because of children, but I, I think I knew that children was hopefully on the cards for us. And I found working in the NHS particularly stressful at that point. I'd had quite a few years of challenges with my hormone levels. I had something called hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is where your periods stop. And it's essentially a, a stress response. So I think there have been a number of things that happened over those years that had been quite stressful in my life. And my body had responded by basically shutting down hormonally. I had no estrogen levels on blood tests, probably wasn't ovulating. I had to go on HRT like a menopausal woman would. And there was a lot of challenges during that time. Oh so my God, Claire. Over, Yeah, it was pretty mad. But overall, we just decided that me leaving the NHS was the right thing at that point and I'd moved into private practice. So I guess once you make that step, things change because private practice overall is more flexible. And I think for me, becoming a mum was a huge thing. 
I was one of those girls growing up that I was just a very mumsy person. I was like the mum at uni, like I was the person that everyone came to <laughs> after everyone on the night out. That was who I was. So I just am a maternal person. Obviously, when I had all these hormonal issues, there was a few questions as to how easy that would be for us. And I knew the biggest thing is I had to reduce my stress. And so a big part of that was making work life a bit more calm. And I guess through that step, what it has meant going forwards into motherhood is I could do the same job, but with more flexibility. So between my kids, I was working for a company two days a week. Then obviously pandemic hit just after I had my second. That's when I started sharing more on social media, more because I was so lonely at home. I, you know, I had two young kids at home. My husband was a GP. He was out what felt like all hours of the day, as most doctors were during the pandemic. And I just, I'm such an extrovert. I was missing like that kind of buzz that I get with other mums. And I was like, I'm just going to start sharing on social media. And it's pivoted into this community of mums. And I guess through that growing following, it became apparent that I could essentially work for myself because women were coming through asking for appointments. And so it was at that point I decided to just go it alone. And I'm loving my career. You know, it's become really varied. I love education. And I think it's the beauty of me working for myself is it's reminded me I love a variety of things. I love mm. being in clinic, absolutely. But the days of me doing doing five days a week full clinic are long gone for me now and I get the privilege of doing like today I've done I've filmed something for someone I've done some writing I've been on a home visit I'm obviously chatting to you if I'm going to be working away from my kids how I feel is it really needs to be very nurturing as well as what I can give out and so it's exciting but also <laughs> quite scary at times yeah I can imagine and look so much to unpick from what you've just said but just <laughs> rewinding back to this so you called it hypothalamic amenorrhea is that right yeah hypothalamic amenorrhea obviously to do with your hormones but if you don't mind me asking what was putting you through that stress at that time and that must have had a huge impact on your life I mean, it's a funny one because it was a really gradual thing. I think there'd been a breakdown of a previous relationship. My uncle was unwell, sadly dying of cancer. I'm sorry. I think, yeah, I think it was like my job had become very stressful. So I'd taken on a leadership role, then team members left and then we got someone else. And there was a lot going on at work at that time. I don't think I necessarily ever really understood work-life balance at that point. I think that's mm. something I've, I'm not sure I'm still great at it now. I don't think I've ever necessarily known very well how to relax it's something that I've hugely worked on in the last decade but I wasn't very good at that so I think if I'm honest my body just went into sort of burnout I'd also traveled and I think sometimes you know traveling just makes your body go a bit wacko anyway and I honestly it was just the accumulation of things and I think the problem once your body's in this stress state then you're stressed about being in a stress state and then you're stressed because you've got no hormones and then being on HRT as a 24 year old also doesn't feel that great I had quite a lot of side effects but this is like bananas as an HRT at 24 this, yeah. this is like a very big deal you must yeah, have yeah. I mean it, it was I, I can't even imagine going yeah. through that at that I age mean, and also how do you explain yeah. it to people that's the other thing yeah to be honest, I didn't talk about it a lot with people. I think we know now so much more. There is so much conversation about periods and what's normal and what's not. And I'd never been like the most regular girl. So I'd mm. sometimes miss them and be like, oh, no biggie. It just wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't completely wacky for my body. But then I was like, this is definitely different. So I'd gone to the GP, I'd done a blood test and then 
had a follow-up and they were basically like oh you could be in premature menopause and I was like what I'm 24 are you joking I want to have a family anyway the team that I was working obviously I worked in women's health they were amazing and they actually looked after me so I talked about it at work quite openly and it wasn't that I was ashamed of it I wouldn't talk about it but I don't know I don't think it came up in a lot of conversations but my close network knew And for somebody who, in your own words, was really maternal person to have been told, oh, you might be like in premature menopause, which will uh, irreversibly change the entire course of your life. life. Yeah, Yeah. like, I I mean, that must have been devastating. It was. I mean, I literally went into a grief response. I was a single 24-year-old. I'd just moved out. Actually, I'd just moved into London with some mates. But yeah, I was devastated. It, It really knocked me. I was like, how do I date someone? We then established yeah. I wasn't in early menopause. And so they were like, you know, the chance of you having a family are very much still there. We just obviously don't know how easy it will be because if you're not actually ovulating yourself, obviously that's a big problem. How did they figure that out that you weren't? Oh, actually, it was very clear from my blood results. Right. Hormones are very complicated. It's not just like your estrogen low. It's about all the other hormones and their relationships. So thankfully, I have a number of medical friends who, when that, I, I, I questioned whether this was the right thing I asked for a printout and I took it home and I, I basically called a couple of mates being like can you help me understand these and they're like I think it's really unlikely because of this and this you know it's all about relationship with hormones as well about certain things being low certain things being high so we'd pretty much established that wasn't the case and then I went under a hormonal specialist team who were like no it's not menopause it's just this condition let's help manage your hormones until they hopefully kick back in but equally I've actually known my husband for over 20 years but we haven't been together for that long so we sort of re-met put it that way and obviously I had to navigate the conversation of this is what's going on thankfully he was a very good friend of mine so I felt very safe and open and he's also a doctor so he understood the background of it oh thank god yeah (laughs) really helpful really helpful (laughs) we had to obviously go through the process to accept that our story to parenthood may not be as simple as everyone hopes it will be that is a big conversation to be having that's a conversation yeah Yeah. and and, you know the medical team we decided that we wanted to wait to have kids until we were married so we were getting married anyway they're like, you know, once you're married, you probably want to think about starting to try to see. I was 27 at this point. It's not like I was in my late 30s or anything. Mm. But they were like, you know, if you're wanting to have kids, the journey may think not be that easy. It. And mm. I'd had a blood test literally before we got married that was like undetectable. Oestrogen. So like I knew that my oestrogen levels were still low, but I fell pregnant on our honeymoon. And the rest is history. So from a biology perspective, it doesn't really make sense. But I think in a funny way, I had so reserved myself to the fact that it just may not happen. We talked about adoption. There were so many things we were like, it's fine. We believe we can be parents in many different formats. So we're in this together. It's about us as a couple and we will work out that bit of the step as and when we need to. They talk about the grief responses, don't they? And it's like denial, anger, and then the final stage is acceptance. So perhaps you had had just accepted. I had literally just got to that point. I mean, look, it'd been like four to five years by this point of living like this. And I was just like, I've got to accept it. This is my reality and I'm doing everything I can to change it. But you know, I totally believe in life. There are just some things that we can't do anything about. We just have to live our lives and see what happens. I always find it fascinating seeing how people actually go about starting their families. Yeah. Because when we first talked on the phone, I've talked a lot about this to my followers, that I felt like I was coming to motherhood quite late because my mum had all her babies by the time she was 30. Yeah. I had my first at 29 and you were even earlier than that. And I now yes. feel like quite a young mum, even though I'm not, <laughs> but I do. I Because relative to my peer group, everyone's having children so much later. So for you to get pregnant on your honeymoon, that's early on, right at the beginning of your married life. I think people thought we were like teenagers who didn't know how to get pregnant. You know, people were like, was that expected? We were like, we made children. (laughs) 
So it was expected, but and equally because we hadn't told everyone the backstory, people were just like, "Oh, whoops!" So we were like, "No, this is insanely amazing!" Like, yeah, and like very wanted very yeah. wanted so it wasn't necessarily what our plan was but equally we had really got to the point where we were like there isn't a plan you know the plan is there is no plan mm. <laughs> and if we're given a child we'll go with it mm. and I think we've had to learn to navigate relationship and marriage as parents yeah. which obviously other lots of our other mates have been married for five to six years or maybe they've been together for over a decade and then they have children and that's a whole different ball game so mm. I guess we've had to learn to grow together as parents and navigate marriage and I don't think we've always got the balance right but I'm not sure anyone does. Does anyone, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think we're just always learning how to look out for each other and be a couple as well as be parents. And that's much harder in the newborn younger years, isn't it? We did the second child in a pandemic. And it's, I, you know, I hadn't really realised how different our experience had been until I spoke to some friends recently who were like, yeah, doesn't this weather just remind you of lockdown when we were all like chilling in the garden <laughs> having a few beers? And I was like, yeah, no, I really was not no. chilling in the garden. I was like in the thick of it with a newborn and a toddler. And going from know, one, to two is a transition in itself. Hi, sorry to interrupt. If you're feeling inspired by this episode to go back to work happy and confident, then what are you waiting for? I'm the founder of the Springback Guide and it's an online series of videos just six minutes long each so that anyone can fit it into mum life, focusing on putting yourself first again, getting your confidence back, working better with your partner and also showing you how to figure out whether you're in the right job at all. And of course, what to do if you're still not sure. If you're already back at work, but feeling stuck and unhappy, it's for you too. It's all designed and led by me to provide you with amazing career and life coaching at a fraction of the price of face-to-face coaching. If you're still not sure or just want to see where I hang out, you can come and chat to me on Instagram at springbackguide. Okay, sorry about that. Let's crack on with the episode taking you back then how was your pregnancy and how was your birth yeah I mean I think a pretty classic pregnancy I hadn't really understood the whole day nausea thing and I never was sick but I just felt like horrendous all day mm. and obviously when you're in a people facing job there isn't like cheek and a sneaky ginger nut at your desk it's like you're talking <laughs> to people all day so you know what I would do is I had a gap in my diary I'd lie on the bed in my room set an alarm for 20 minutes have a brief lie down shove in another piece of bread and carry on but it was hardcore like I found that really hard mentally and emotionally I found it hard obviously doing my job where you just see complications which is often related to birth I I didn't really realize how much it was impacting me until I started having like anxiety dreams I was like dreaming about birth a lot and having a lot of anxiety about it amazingly I knew the mental health midwife at my hospital and I messaged her being like I don't think I'm coping as well as I thought I was coping and she was amazing and really just supported me through got me in with a consultant midwife because at that point I was like I think I'm just going to go for a cesarean because just seems Mm -hmm. easier for me but in the end I did go for vaginal delivery after just really working through what my fears were and what I was worried about and on paper had a very uncomplicated delivery it was very quick I was in the birth center I did have a longer second stage like the pushing vase which I don't think helped my pelvic floor it's really interesting what you said about consultant midwife because I had similar but also different scenario with my second where it was experiencing a lot of anxiety and the consultant midwives are just brilliant they're absolutely amazing amazing. really unknown I mean I look I don't know how it works across all of the UK I mean I know obviously London quite well but they it's such an under under underknown about resource 
These midwives are there to support women like us who are particularly struggling. It's acknowledged that we don't all feel the same about birth. Our journeys to birth are not the same. And I often recommend my ladies, please try and seek that support because you need that space and that time to explore these conversations. And you do. Yeah. You can't always do that in a routine appointment, right? So, you know, it transformed my experience. It completely changed my mind. Being heard, you know, there was no like trying to force me to do something I didn't want to do. It was like, if you really want a cesarean, we're here for you but is that yeah. honestly what you want or are you just making that decision completely out of fear and out it was fear, it was exactly. completely out of fear they're like let's talk this all through and if that's still your decision we'll get you a date but in the end actually exploring it all they're like it doesn't necessarily sound it's really what you want it just feels like you feel like you have no choice and that's the whole thing about birth isn't it? it's having choice how did you get around that anxiety then? I did hypnobirthing. That was really helpful. Oh, okay. Um, amazing. Really amazing. And I think just actually being honest about it and saying, I'm struggling, talking about it. Also hearing statistics that weren't just the complications. You know, actually, generally, I'm seeing about 5 to 10% of the population. Remembering there's also 90% of the population <laughs> that aren't in pelvic floor physiotherapy. You know what I mean? It's, the complications are a small percentage, but that's all I see. So in my world, they're 100%. But actually, in the statistics of the UK, they're really not 100%. So not saying that all of women are not impacted by birth in some way, because I do believe that birth and pregnancy impacts our body, obviously. But, mm. you know, the more severe cases, the more complicated um, were all I ever saw. So, yeah, I think just that emotional and mental support made a huge difference. Mm. Yeah. Massive difference. And so how was the actual birth then as a result? I was at home for a lot of it. I think now in hindsight, and now I've given birth twice, I think I probably would have given birth at home had I known a bit more about how I birth because both of my labours have been actually very fast and very intense. And, you know, you start seeing patterns, don't you? And actually, when I got into hospital, I was like really wanting to push straight away. And they were like, no, it's too early. And I was like, but, you know, I think you know your body. So I found transition into hospital hard. I think all women do. Like labouring in a car is not the one. um, (laughs) But has to be done. But overall, you know, I'd still, view it as a positive experience I do think there were moments where I wasn't listened or heard to now in hindsight again now I've done it a second time and had a very positive experience and those challenges was there anything in particular that stood out to you basically I think what happened is I got stressed you know the feeling of a baby being born is intense and when you've never felt that before it's a scary experience I found it scary obviously my brain then went into work mode I was like oh my gosh I'm ripping in half and then I think I got scared adrenaline rushed through my system my body was like oh no so then it was just me and my husband in the room everyone else left we got back into our very calm zen space but that was pretty stressful but equally at the time you're so in this weird time warp you know it was two hours I didn't have a clue it was two hours I thought it'd been like 20 minutes as did my husband I'm a bit of a bleeder as we've now learned again having done it again so initially I was like there is a lot of blood here and obviously my husband miracle was like oh my gosh like she's gonna die you know you just very hard to stay objective by yourself as again I've had two now I totally understand like some babies feeding is simple and some babies it is really not simple and you know you can be a pro feeder with one and the other one you're like can I give up everything is different it's not about you and your skill set it is about baby and you and compatibility and tongue ties and feeding issues you know it's so flipping complex and I think if I could say to women one thing it's it's so not just about you (laughs) it's about whole everything isn't it and um, you're two individuals from birth and even in pregnancy you know your genetic compatibility that's why every pregnancy feels so different as well and often people put it down to oh it's because it's a girl not a boy or whatever and I remember thinking my second I was like convinced it was going to be a girl because I was like this pregnancy is so different it must be and then they were like nope another boy I was like oh god (laughs) shit (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's just funny because there are just so many myths that get bandied around, yeah. aren't there? And oh, actually, gosh. it's just like, Non-stop. well, it's a different little person yes. every time. 100%. It's crazy. So birth, relatively straightforward, but yeah. like a few lessons. How long did yeah. you take away from work? I took a full year. I lapped up that maternity leave. Yeah, I really didn't think about work at all at that point, to be honest with you. I just... Loved all the baby groups, loved making new friends, loved being out. Yeah, it was great. I genuinely loved that year. Actually, my husband was working locuming at that point, so we had quite a lot of flexibility. On some holidays. Yeah, it was lovely. Really, really lovely. And obviously navigated going back to work, went two days a week and uh, went back like a, yeah, almost like exactly a year later. So what was that navigation like? Were you, given that you had such a blissful maternity leave, were you like, oh God, I don't want to go back? Or what was that like? Yeah, I was really unsure, but I love what I do. And it's always that being torn. And I was like, I know I can do it two days a week. So almost like, why wouldn't I take the opportunity to keep my career going if I can you know my husband was really supportive I genuinely think if we can cling on for the next sort of five years getting through babyhood then you won't regret it and you know again we've got family so actually what we were able to do is one set of parents had her one day and one set of parents had her another day and that's what covered my two days of work oh um, amazing you know when you're leaving them with grandparents I know it's much easier I've never had to do that like the nursery drop off with screaming it doesn't mean it's always been easy don't get me wrong but it's a much easier transition but yeah I'd always imagined myself being a full-time mum really growing up I'd never really imagine being a working mum partly that's because yeah I think partly because that was my experience back when we were growing up flexibility of work was nothing that it is compared to now you know my dad and my father-in-law were working hardcore in the city long hours that's what they did and it's not that my mum wouldn't have loved to work she would have loved to work but it just wasn't an option around kids and I think when we spoke before I was saying you know how yeah you know both the mums hadn't worked my aunts hadn't gone back to work my sister-in-law didn't go back to work I was the first of a lot of my friends. But yeah, it was just a brand new experience that I think our generation is hugely having to navigate in a very different way to the generations before. I still, when I leave in the morning, I have this slight guilt or something that I'm like, oh, I I find it hard to leave. Equally, once I've left, I really enjoy it. But I still Mm. feel this deep tie to home. I mean, I think all mothers do, right? Your heart's with your children, where they're at, you're at. There's no point that I'm like, I've got this down, (laughs) because I don't. (laughs) I just don't. And was your husband working part-time before mm. you had kids or was that a decision that no, you guys that's made actually together? Just, that's just recently since, well, in the last year since I went back to work a second time. And that brings us on right to second baby. Your son is two and a bit. So we're yeah. talking like peak pandemic. So yes. what was, was that like having your second <laughs> baby in COVID times versus well, I mean, not COVID was- times? Yeah, I mean, very different. He was like eight weeks when things were starting to kick off, really. But it's such a weird time, isn't it? Because you you do the first eight weeks when you're basically pretty much at home. And just as life was, for me, about to open up again, we obviously went into lockdown. I'm not going to lie. I think that was the most hardest experience I think I've potentially ever gone through. For me, the isolation, the loneliness of having no other adult around, not at all about the kids. It was more the loneliness. Like, obviously, parenting a baby and a toddler is never easy on your own at many times. But it was more the loneliness and the isolation that I found the hardest. After having such a blissful first maternity leave, you must have just been like, what the fuck is this? It was a complete black and white chalk and cheese situation. Also, remember back then, all you could hear on the news was like, this doctor's died, this doctor's died, this doctor's died. You know, my husband was treating people. There was no PPE. You know, and I was there like, am I going to be a single parent? We just knew nothing like we know now. And we didn't really know how it impacted children. I had an unvaccinated newborn, you know. And he was, we were like, will he need to stay somewhere else? You know, at this point, the doctors were being called back into the hospital. 
It was a crazy time. And there was no vaccine. There was not even, no, you know, nothing. people were working on it. Yeah. But it was months away yeah. even, and people didn't even away. know if it was possible. So that's the thing, like, when you go back to that point, and you know what it's like when you're not sleeping. Yeah. I was at home, I was trying to find it like a Just routine. Just spiral. Yeah. yeah. It was intense. But I think we realised a weekend, it was, and this was not going away. And like, so we sat down, we're like, right, you just need to get a routine. We got up got ready we went out for a walk we came back we did a bit of tv we did an activity we had rest time and we just went through that for weeks and my parents were amazing they'd often come on zoom when I was getting really tired about about three or four o'clock they'd read books to my daughter on zoom so I could so I don't know sweet. just have a bit of quiet time honestly I think I made friends with a dpd guy I just literally talked to anyone <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh hi I think he was like this woman is crazy but I just needed some social interaction but I don't think I really felt how much that had impacted me actually until this year and early this year I hit a bit of a wall where I was like that was hard and I think again a lot of grief and I've spoken to a number of mums who are in the same situation as me and it won't be dissimilar I'm sure for you but the loss of a lot of babies firsts and a lot of my family has still not met him you're balancing the needs of your first as well and even with the second out of lockdown because he's about 10 months now we've got family members that have been like we haven't seen you and it's like you know what I'm just trying to keep going right now so like you will see us soon but (laughs) I'm just trying to survive (laughs) yeah 100% I think survival mode is literally all I have felt that I was in and I think this year I've now had to accept that there's a lot that I need to unpick you've essentially done whatever you needed to do to get the kids through often at the sacrifice of yourselves and your own emotional well-being often physical well-being and whatever and I think a lot of us are now like right we've got through the storm (laughs) yeah it's like you've just been having your head like straight down and then suddenly you're just like looking up at the sky and being like oh there's this whole world that I forgot about and you said like at the detriment of your emotional well-being physical well-being and also things like career well-being with homeschooling and not being able to invest as much in that part of yourself which is such an integral part of your identity so how did it affect your journey back to work then with your second with covid etc I decided obviously to leave the clinic because I just needed maximal flexibility as we were doing this kind of weird working where basically having to work differently around what my husband was able to do and all that sort of stuff. So that's when obviously I went completely self-employed, set up my own business, mm. meant that I shared a lot more on Instagram, which meant that I had much more connection with women. I think it's allowed me to raise the profile of pelvic health in a way that I don't think it was. I think because the services really dropped down, women went online to find more information. So do you know what I mean? I think COVID did a lot for women's health in a funny way because it made us be like well I haven't got any help so I'm gonna have to find it myself and so people did and Instagram was a huge part of that and this is what I'd really like to know more about the Instagram presence that you have now is obviously huge and stuff that's genuinely educational is quite hard to come by and I think you strike the balance really well and where did this like all start why did you start doing this and how did it evolve it must be so time consuming by the way yeah it is time consuming I mean when I started sharing stuff it wasn't even a thing so I was just sharing static posts about essentially anything I was reflecting on myself or just random topics and then obviously I realized there was a hunger for it women were interested women wanted it and so I just continued reels became a thing on Instagram I guess in in the lockdowns as well and so I thought all right I'll give it a go and I think there's a huge creative in me I mean I spent a lot of my childhood performing from quite a musical family quite musical myself I did quite a lot of acting as well and I think in a funny way I don't do a lot of that in my life at the minute so I think in a funny way reels became my creative outlet (laughs) and I just genuinely love it like I just find it fun it doesn't feel like work for me 
sometimes your brain works in a certain way and I might hear something and I'm suddenly like, oh, that would work perfectly for something about the pelvic floor. And so I just create it. I think it looks like it probably takes me longer than it does. But often I just come up with an idea, do one or two takes of it. And I already know what I want to say about it because it's a topic I discuss a lot and, and out it goes. So don't get me wrong. I do commit time to it. I view it as a very important part of my career, not from a business mm. perspective necessarily, though it obviously does have benefits. But from a just passion and educational perspective, I think we have got to get this information out. We've got to make it relevant. We've got to bring it into the 21st century. We need to connect with women. We can go on and on about the fact that women don't know about it but the fact is if we're not there telling them in a manageable and digestible way then we can't expect them to come to us exactly and so that's I guess what I've just tried to do is make it relevant make it bite-sized make it applicable and there's loads of other amazing people doing a very similar thing it shows you're onto something I think people think oh gosh why do you bother it I'm like because I enjoy it and I think that probably comes through I just it's me I'm having fun that's who I would be if you met me I'm being a bit silly that's what I'm like and I get amazing messages from women being like oh I wasn't going to do anything and then because of you I've gone to my GP I'm now getting help and while those messages keep coming through I will keep being a bit silly and a real so a ton of super positive things about social media but I always like to ask people that have this Instagram presence because I have a bit of a love-hate with Instagram sometimes (laughs) and obviously I spend a lot of time on it and it's the way that I keep up with a lot of stuff that's going on in the mother community etc but for you personally with what you do are there challenges that pop up that you think oh this is actually really hard or oh this is the downside of social media or do you just think it's all sunshine no definitely not I don't think it ever could be. I just think it's, I've had to learn how to have boundaries with it. So generally now I will not post over a weekend. I take those breaks. If I'm finding it a bit overwhelming, I just have a break. It's a choice. And I think with all of these things, it's a choice. I choose to be there. I can equally choose not to be there. And if the last few weeks of me have been a bit bonkers and I just taken a step back it doesn't mean I've not been there at all but I haven't been putting out reels I just haven't had the time and there's been school holidays and I took a week off to do our childcare. and you have to ebb and flow with it and I think if you don't feel you can and that's for me in the past it's been an issue and I felt oh but I can't take that time off because if I don't do this I'm not going to hit this algorithm and that algorithm and, and I'm like I'm not going to be a slave to it that may mean that some of my posts don't do so well that's okay it's all about our self-worth isn't it and stuff like that I'm not saying it's never mm. impacted me it has but I think I very much try and keep a balanced relationship relationship with it and I think I've heard someone say before it's about keeping about your core values like why are you there what's the point of it and actually if I'm sticking to those things and I'm making sure I'm having fun then generally I have a very positive relationship with it and if I feel that's becoming unbalanced then that's when I just take a little step away I log out for a weekend take a week off whatever it is but yeah I think it's a fascinating world that I think we'll keep learning about I love Instagram I feel there's much more of a community and um yeah love it there and while I like it there I will stay Mm. (laughs) and obviously posting about things that are as personal Mm. and impactful as pelvic health do you ever experience kind of backlash or women saying you know this isn't my experience or you should be doing more of this or you shouldn't be doing more of that or are people on the whole very supportive do you know what generally I haven't always got it right and women have sometimes fed back but I've actually had everyone be incredibly respectful like I'm sure this is not how you intended it that's just how it's made me feel and then sometimes I can reflect and say oh gosh I can see how I've you know I've reworded Mm. that badly let me reword it thank you for your feedback and sometimes I think actually I'm happy with how I've expressed it I may have triggered something in someone else and that is also okay like I'm not responsible for everyone's emotions that's also on them yeah yeah, exactly and so I think but I think every I'm always welcome to feedback I'm very open that I'm still learning as clinical 
finishing, I won't get it all right. I haven't had the experience that a lot of had about, you know, like trolling. Equally, I don't share a lot about my own motherhood journey. I share bits and pieces, but I'm not as open, I guess, about motherhood life as other people are, which I think sometimes people get very opinionated about, like how you're parenting your child and what you're doing. And I'm, I'm much more protective of that just for various reasons. So obviously you've ended up remaining in pelvic health and it's something that you're clearly super passionate about. When you think about 10 years down the line, where do you see the practice going? Where would you be if you could wave a magic wand? Wow, great question. I've always said like the kids are my priority. So whatever I'm doing is about them first. So if I can work more, if they're both at school and I can work a bit every day, great. If we can continue to be a bit flexi parenting, great. I think I will continue staying in London. I want to set up a little bit more locally. We may at some point get a clinic space more like northwest, more suburban. So there's definitely lots of plans. I'd love to do a bit more, maybe lecturing, teaching, but all around the family unit being the centre and the priority, obviously, and then having the flexibility to do stuff around that. Anybody who's listening who doesn't know who Claire is or has experienced birth injury, prolapse, anything in the pelvic health space, I really encourage you to check Claire's page out because I've learned stuff. I had two cesareans and I've still learned an absolute ton from her page. And just because you had C-sections does not mean that your pelvic floor is not affected, as I have learned. So definitely check her out. And I just want to say a huge thank you. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've absolutely loved this chat. It's been so nice. Oh, good stuff. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Take care. You made it. You've reached the end of the Springback Guys podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate it five stars to join everyone else in spreading the word about how to go back to work happy and confident after your baby. You can find me on Instagram at springbackguide or if you're feeling really inspired, head to springbackguide.com to go for it and invest in yourself. Okay, see you soon.